Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the show made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Today, we're joined by Hawthorne Football Club royalty and a VFL legend. Kelvin Moore was one of the best fullbacks of his era and an integral member of three Hawks premiership sides during a 300-game career that ran from 1970 to 1984. Later, a chairman of selectors and an assistant coach, Kelvin has a place in the AFL and Hawthorne Halls of Fame and sits on the last line of defence in the Hawks team of the 20th century. Kelvin Moore, welcome and thanks a lot for your time. Thanks very much, Sam. A pleasure to do it. Geez, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? In fact, I left the best and fairest off the introduction. I think I left an All-Australian gong off as well. She's a heck of a resume. Yeah, I suppose when you, yeah, when you, when you say it like that, that, that takes, a, it takes a while. But um, I probably took 15 years to accumulate all that. So. <laughs> and, and look, if you don't mind me saying, all these years on, are you proud of it? Oh, yes, of course. Um, you know, people say, oh, gee, you know, what if you had been playing now on the money they get? Well, that's one thing, but... You know, I wouldn't give up the success and the things I um, enjoyed during my time. So, um, it, uh, yeah, it, it is something that I'm, I'm proud of, yes. Yeah, incredible success, obviously, as a collective and the teams you played with and individually, and we'll, we'll get to it all in a moment. The, the modern-day um, player that you speak of, if you like, and the modern-day Hawks, do you do you still follow them and, and, and those that represent the brown and gold? Oh, yeah, I still take an interest, uh, you know, if they're on telly. I, I mean, I don't. I don't get to the football all that often. I'd sort of just rather go and watch the local teams run around. So I've got a grandson running around down here in the peninsula. So, uh, yeah, but I do. I, I certainly do take interest in, you know, their results and um, who plays well and all that sort of thing. Where does the grandson play? Oh, he's out of the Franks and Bombers at the moment. Yep. He's only pretty young, so he's uh, he's coming through, though. He, yeah, he shows a little bit. We're speaking after the trade period's just wrapped up, and Hawthorne, pretty busy, Kelvin, bringing four players in, and Sam Mitchell's now had two seasons as uh, head coach, and as we know, as a player, had his own period of success with the four flags in that, in that golden era he was a part of. Um, there was no trade period in your day. Um, how did players move clubs? Um, yeah, well, they did. Not, not a great deal, but it was more just between the clubs, you know, if someone was, from my memory anyhow, if someone was a bit disenchanted where they were or struggling to get a game or whatever, they obviously would put it to the put it to the club and then if they, it was up to the clubs to work it out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah it, wasn't, it wasn't as um, frequently, at, or not like today by any means. I mean, it was, it was actually zoning when I first went to Hawthorne. So, uh, yeah, it's completely different, just like the game today. Yeah, I want to get to all that too. The zoning I'm, I'm quite fascinated by and, and actually preceded your uh, journey which and, and shaped it in, in a lot of ways, given where you might have gone had the situation been different. But the, the contracts, also, well, I mean, in the, in the 70s, when you, was there such a thing as a contract? Was it a, was it a handshake agreement? How was it sort of struck? Well, initially... Um I mean, contracts started coming in towards the end of my time, really. It was really, if you were happy on your yeah. match payments, basically, that's how it was done. It wasn't a, a yearly thing. It was um, you'd get uh, X amount a game, and uh, you might have an agreement where if you, you would still get paid if you only missed a couple of games. Or, but 
if you miss the long-term games, you, you might miss out on a bit of payment. That was my arrangement. Anyhow, I don't know. I think other people may have had other little, uh, little things in, in their agreement without being a contract as such. Yeah. Now we get crazy things, don't we, Kelvin? Like 10-year contracts and front-ended contracts and back-ended contracts and all these sorts of things. The the match payments or the, the matches that you speak of, I mean, we're talking about the difference in in finances in the game now, can I be so bold as to ask you? You know, what typically what would a what would a player or a top player like you have been paid maybe in the mid to late seventies? Oh well, I'll go go right back um, first. I can always remember nineteen seventy one, where I mean I was lucky enough to break into the side late in seventy, and then seventy one we uh, we only lost three games for the year. And we won the premiership and we went over to Adelaide and played North Adelaide, I think, in what was the, the go then was the two premiers used to play off. Then we went over to, oh, there's a poly farmer, there's a round robin for the premiers and runners-up of East State. We went over to West Australia the following week and won that as well. Mm. And But we used to have a pay night at the end of the year and I can remember I received just over $1,000, <laughs> and which sounds... Sounds pretty pitiful in today's terms, but I remember looking at that check and I thought, wow, here I am looking at a check for just over a thousand dollars for achieving a childhood dream, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's what it was. That's what it was like back then, seventy, seventy-one, mid seventies. Oh, gee, now you're stretching my. Um... No, but just just coming back to let's stay here for a moment, if you don't mind, Kevin. Like they're more romantic times, aren't they? Like so, you would have got that. Not a pie night, but you would have gone to that pay night. Well, I love the scent of the pay night as well. Um, I'm sure you wish there were more of those. But you probably opened up that that envelope or whatever it was and thought, Crikey's, I'm having so much fun here, I'd do it for nothing, or, or I might even pay to be doing it, and yet here you were getting paid for it. Yeah, exactly. It's probably you, you hit the nail on the head there. That you, I, would have, I would have done it for nothing. Anyhow, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just, just the different thinking in, uh, different in those days. And um, yeah. I'm just trying to get my head around mid-70s. It, it obviously went up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, oh, geez, I don't know. I, I sort of probably finished. I was probably got about 20 grand, I suppose, by the end of, the, end of the, my career. But uh, and, and how did you, how did you, you know, back in those days, you know, obviously everyone had, had jobs. Were you, you were sparky by trade or how did you sort of make ends meet while you were playing? Yeah, I was. I was a, an electrician. Um, I, for, for a fair chunk of that time, I was I went into business with Alan Martello, who's also yep. an electrician by trade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, we, we sort of worked during the day and then trained on Tuesday and Thursday, sometimes Wednesday. Sunday morning, we always had to have a run around the boulevard, the Q Boulevard, who was our, our warm down, I suppose. Wasn't, wasn't a warm down for me, I'll give you the drop. <laughs> a bit lumpy over there, mate, a bit up and down. Yeah, well, I wasn't known for taking a few shortcuts. So, um, <laughs> but that was, in the, that was in the days before, I think, Les Hawker and myself, I speak to Les quite frequently, and we, we were ahead of our time with um, managing our loads. <laughs> uh, yes. Which has yeah. become such a important part of football nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Mornington Peninsula, Kelvin. So, where, where was home as a kid? Where did where did your story start? Yeah, Frankston. Uh, I uh, yeah, I was, I was sort of like born and bred down in Frankston. Still live down here. Yep. Uh, and that's who I, I played with in the in the Peninsula League. It was the Frankston, which is now the Frankston Bombers. Uh, 
Yeah, and then I was thinking, I'll, I'll just forget you might know when actually zoning came in. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I reckon just before you started. So, you know, Frankston it surrounds that part of Victoria, obviously now, as we know, have such a, a rich historical tie to the, to the Hawks and, and some of the all-time greats um, hail from these areas. At Hawthorne, I'm thinking Lee Matthews just up the road from you in Chelsea, uh, Dermot Brereton, of course, Gary Ayres, Chris Mew, Peter Knights, Royal champions of the club. But that that area, I think, um, to be honest with you, Kelvin was supposed to be a St Kilda zone from what I've read over time. But they ended up getting Ballarat and the Hawks got the Mornington Peninsula as a zone back then and, and the rest is history. Yeah, well, that's right. I think I think St Kilda thought, you know, because they were at Moorabbin and they were on the sort of the, you know, the doorstep, I suppose, of the peninsula. And um, they already had a couple of Franks and players there in um, Travis Pays and Stuart Trott. That's right, yeah. Uh, and they, uh, I think they thought that they were a bit of a shoe-in for the peninsula, but I think a lot of credit for the Hawthorne getting it was due to, to Ron Cook, who at the time was the, oh, I don't know, secretary or whatever he was at Hawthorne, but he did a lot of lobbying and whatever. And he not only um, received the peninsula, but he got a fair chunk of um, the Gippsland too. And that, that's actually, Gary Ayres was from Warrigal, actually. Yeah, that's right. You're right. You're but right. Michael Moncrief. Michael Moncrief is another one from Udafal. Um So back then, I think the zone started from Aspendale or the Mordialli Creek right down to Sorrento for the peninsula. And um, and then, obviously, over like Long Warrior, Peter Knights, um, Leon Rice from Druin and Jeff Ablett. Well, the Ablets were from um, Druin as well. And I'll... Oh, I probably forgotten quite a few, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, they had they had a got, ended up with a very healthy zone. Yeah, it was fair old catchment area. It makes you think if St Kilda had got those players, you know what might have been as it's turned out. So just before we break, Kelvin, I mean, did you ever want to do anything else with your life? Were you a big footy head? Were you footy mad as a kid? Were you into your schooling? I mean, what are some of those memories from childhood? Oh no, I always uh, yeah, I was a bit of a footy head um, if you like. And I always dreamed of playing VFL footy back then. Yeah, my grandfather played 49, 50 games for Fitzroy, actually, back in the day. But, uh, yeah, no, I was always keen. I was always out in the backyard kicking plastic footies around and, you know, kicking 10 goals in the last quarter to win games. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so I was always dreaming of playing playing um, top-level footy. And who'd you back? Were you a Fitzroy supporter growing up? No, no, I was actually a Carlton supporter. That was due to one of Dad's best mates because... The rest of the family were mainly Melbourne supporters. But, uh, he, his best mate was a Carlton supporter, and he um, he lured me across to Barry for the Blues. Yeah, we all, hey, we all get brainwashed, don't we? Um, you, <laughs> you're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Toman Brothers, of course. They're a family-owned business, and they have been since 1934. Well, Kelvin Moore's Hawthorne career is about to get underway. We'll get into that next. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Triple Premiership winning Hawthorne icon Kelvin Moore is our guest today. So, Kelvin, Hawthorne, I don't think anyway, have played finals for something like half a dozen years when you arrive in the pre-season of 1970. I think the late John Kennedy Sr. is the coach, obviously 
ultimately it would be a legend of the game. What were your first impressions and what were those first days and weeks like at Hawthorne? Uh, well, it was pretty daunting, actually, because um, you know, John was a fairly uh, <laughs> well-known character. Well, not character as such, but I'm in person. And mm. um, oh, I was pretty much like a lot of other guys were completely probably in awe of him a, bit, a little bit. He weren't, wouldn't say anything to him. I hardly ever spoke to him for a few years. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I went there in... Oh, about 69, I think I was my first year when zoning came in. Um, and ironically, it was probably, uh, there was two of us from down that Frankston, it was called Frankston Peninsula then, because in those days, Frankston had a side in the Peninsula League, and they obviously went into the VFA as well. And then a um, group, of, group of guys kept the uh, Frankston Peninsula League uh, side going, and there's a, a guy named um, Tony Rosenbrock, and myself were invited up that particular year, which was '69, I think, um, to train. As were hundreds of others, you know, from the zone. They just they picked heaps, so we went up and trained. Um, Placed Tony at fullback one day on Peter Hudson in a practice match, and he did pretty well. So he, uh, Tony, actually got onto the senior list that particular year, and I, I made only made the supplementary list. So um, I played the year in the uh, in the reserves, as did Tony. Um, then the following year, which was what 1970, um, went through the pre-season training. I was lucky enough not to have to go to the uh, commando course. Yeah. Um, and Tony retained his place on the senior list and I retained my place on the supplementary list at the start of 1970. And ironically, midway through the year, I was playing half forward. He was playing full back. And I, from memory, I think it was down at Geelong. And probably both of us weren't setting the world on fire and um, they swapped us and I went to full back and he went up forward mm. and that started virtually for myself and I uh, a few weeks down the track I was elevated to the senior list and then got my chance in the last two the final two home and away games for uh, in 1970 and um and the rest is history. I sort of held on to that position for for many years. Yeah, round twenty two, nineteen seventy, it was, and um, yep, they they realised maybe this man isn't a forward. He's he's better suited to the other end of the ground. Just coming back to those big figures, and there were so many at the club at that time. Kelvin in the change room then. Uh, obviously Peter Hudson you mentioned. Uh, Don Scott, fierce competitor. Uh, Lethal was only a relatively speaking a young man, but there were there was some there were some big personalities there, weren't there? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it was like Dave Parkin was the captain. Yep. And, um, um Ray Wilson playing, Des Mar. Um just trying to think of a few others. Uh obviously Bob Chetty. Yeah, so there were there were some pretty handy players and Kevin Heath. Um they're all all pretty, you know, Kenny Beck. Yeah, they're all well known players and uh you know, I was probably surrounded. Yeah, Lee, Lee was only young, but he'd already 
well, down here, Lee, Lee went straight from the Chelsea, who were a strong team. Um, he went from straight from under 15s into the Chelsea senior side, yeah. and then obviously went on to become what, what he became. Yep. And I was always thankful that he was on our side. I um, reckon. I reckon. And yeah, the same with Peter Hudson. I was glad he was up the other end most of the time. So uh, yeah, so it was um, it was it was pretty daunting. Yeah, we hadn't made the finals for oh well, I think gee, might have been sixty three. Was I, I would think was the last time Hawthorne played in the finals. And uh, then when you had the guys I mentioned, and then you had like. Um, you know, the, obviously I came in the side. There were Peter Knights, Alan Martello, Leon Rice. Um, oh, Brem was another one that was there before Ian Bremner. He was from Dan Frankston as well. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a you know a, a nice mix of youth and experience, if you like. Yeah. And um, yeah, everything sort of fell into place for us. You know, Les Hawkins was another one. So, so uh, Kelvin, you you so you get the big role change, of course. You know, at the end, back end of seventy and going into seventy one. But you, you so you take up at the defensive end, and there were big personalities on other teams as well. It was like almost every week there was a player of immense quality, and some of the full forwards of that time. So Doug Wade, Peter McKenna, uh, Alex Jezelenko, Michael Roach, they would come one after the other for you. You're right. I know just about every club had um, either a like a star full forward or quite competent full forward. Um, the ones you mentioned, of course. I mean, Doug Wade, he was um, he was probably the one I had most trouble with early days uh, because of you know his strengths and all, all the other attributes he had. You know, Peter McKenna, of course, and you know, Jez. I think that Jez Olenko, McKenna. Peter Hudson had just come off a year where they all kicked 100 in mm. 1970. Mm. So, um, and, oh, you know, and then your early days against the Kula, there was like Barry Lawrence. And as you say, um, before before um, Roach come along, there was Ricky McLean and Neil Barham for Richmond. They were, you know, they were friendly guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, out at out at Footscray, there was Laurie Sandilands, and um, until you know, Kelvin Templeton came along. So I mean, yeah. geez, I could go through every club. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I could name someone out of those clubs that, that were um, more than handy. You know, I've just got the paper in front of me and say Melbourne. You know, there was Ray Ray Biffin come full forward there for a while, and. You're in for a busy afternoon with him, and the you know, Essendon, our early days, Alan Noonan and Terry Danaher. So I mean, the list goes on. Yeah, and and look, there's all of that, of course, and your responsibility to to quell your opponent. But I wanted to speak to you about the way you played the game because the running fullback or the running defender. I mean, it's now commonplace in the modern game. If you can't do it, you don't get a game. But it wasn't common at all back then. And I, did you? I mean, you were seen to have helped pioneer that. What was your line of thinking there by consciously springboarding and rebounding when, really, Kelvin, it wasn't the done thing for players in your position? No, it probably took, oh, it probably took a, you know, a, a couple of few years for me to even um, develop that style of play, you know. Um, 
you know, I think you know David Dench probably nearly sort of yeah probably pioneered it further, you know, earlier than I did. So you take a leaf out of what's going on and um, and try and do something yourself, which became part. You know, it was starting to become more of a of a running game than it had been. You know, it was sort of like mark mark and kick game back early days. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, going back then was important. Most important thing for me was like pure defence, I suppose. Yeah. John always insisted to play in front. I was just, um, I was just going to say, how did, how did uh, Kennedy, John Kennedy, sort of react when you started tearing off and bouncing the Because you did love a bounce. How did the coach sort of uh, warm to that? Well, he sort of, he never, he never came to me and said um, was against it. I think he too was um, at least coming to terms with how the game is slowly changing and. Mm. There's more of that. There's not. I mean, Peter Nice playing centre half back. He used to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he. I think he warmed to it. Okay. He, he never sort of had a word to me that I should drop back a bit. So, but uh, yeah, I, I do look at now. It's a rarity to see defenders um, playing in front. Um, they all seem to play from behind. But that was one of his big things. He. Um, you know, very well, you know, you spoil well today, but I'd rather you got in front. And that's probably why I had a few marks taken over me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just the way it was. Yeah, things things, things slowly developed. And uh, it got, yeah, it was more interesting, actually, when it became more of a running game. You could run past, you know, going those days, you wouldn't run past the back flank and get a handball and take off. But back, you know, when... Um, Mid mid seventies to later on, certainly that was the case because players would, for well, one, early days they probably wouldn't handball it to you. And um, but you know, blokes like David O'Halloran and those blokes would only be too happy to handball it off. And if you if you're going bad bad for a kick, it was always good to run past David O'Halloran because he'd always give it to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're with we're with the Hawthorne legend Kelvin Moore on this is your journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Well, Kelvin is headed for a premiership success, plenty of it, and that's after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest, Hawthorne Team of the Century, fullback Kelvin Moore. So, Kelvin, the 1971 Grand Final, you you were actually widely considered the best player on the ground in a premiership win over St Kilda. Unfortunately, the Norm Smith medal was, what, maybe still eight years away at that stage, I think. Yeah, uh, well, 79, they bring that in, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah no, well, who knows, I mean, I think I was lucky enough to be awarded a couple of best on grounds from radio stations. I think Scotty also was up was up there as well. So uh, yeah, it was nice to be recognised in that way. <laughs> yep. So just it was said, you know, reading up on you that finals, you know, brought out the best in you. I mean, what was your 
thinking going into big games when, you know, as we've seen over time, over generations, you know, the pressure can cripple some players. Well, at what sort of mentality, particularly in those first big games that you played in in your career, did you did you take into these games? Well, probably just the same thinking I tried to take into every game, to be honest. Um, you know, it was pretty, say, 71. Um, so I think... I think I'd only played about 23 senior games by then. And um, so I was uh, I was pretty ner- you know, pretty toey before the game. As my wife would tell you, Sue, who was my girlfriend at the time, that I wasn't very good company driving up there. Um, <laughs> because I suppose the, the fear of failure in a way, that you know, you're playing at full back, if the full forward gets hold of you, you could lose it for the team. I suppose those things are running through your head so yeah. I don't know if that brought out the best of me or not but I mean I was always a bit um, uh, yeah I, I don't know it's pretty hard one to know what I didn't take in any I didn't have any special pre-game routine that I just used for finals or anything it was just same same mindset as a normal game. That was the way I tried to keep it. Yeah, and well, that's good advice. So that was St Kilda, but you'd soon get used to playing the same team over and over again in big games. Quite amazing, the rivalry with North Melbourne. So 74, you lose a prelim to the Kangaroos. 75, you lost a grand final to the Kangaroos. 76, you beat the Kangaroos in a grand final. 77, you lost another prelim to North Melbourne. And in 78, you beat North Melbourne in a grand final. Quite a remarkable period, Kelvin. Well, it was. Um, every, it just seemed to be every second week you seemed to be playing North Melbourne um, because you, you could throw in those um, midweek games as well, you know, like your Winfield Cups and the, where there was one in Adelaide. We played off. We played North Melbourne off in the Adelaide one from memory. That was, you know, on a Wednesday, Tuesday night or whatever it was. And then, yeah, there were those games as well. So um, got to know a few of the North Melbourne players pretty well by the time we finished. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Um, we're probably lucky enough to come out, uh, yeah, two out of three, I suppose, was um, what we'd get against North Melbourne as far as premierships went. Mm, yeah, that's right. And who did you... So you, you mentioned you get to know them quite well, as you would expect. Who did you often have responsibility for in those games when you were playing fullback? Well, um, I'm trying to think back in 76. Uh, I started off picking up the Ruckman, which was um, Peter Keenan. And I just forget who the other one was. Might have been the uh, gasometer or something. Uh, but then I, I remember that game they brought on, Brent Croswell was on the bench and he came out and played full forward for the, um, say, the second half. And then 78, um, well, I started on, I think, I think Peyton started on Phil Baker and I picked up. Malcolm Blight and John Byrne, who were changing sort of Ruck Rovers. And then Baker's kicked four or five in the first quarter, I think. Mm. Um, and I got swung into him midway through the second quarter. So oh. I had Phil Baker for the 
it's a reminder of the game. And David, um, Kelvin, David Parkin was coaching 78. He won that one by three goals against North Melbourne, as I say. So that would be the first of four flags for Parko as coach. What, what were your memory? What are your memories of his tutelage? Yeah, well, he brought he brought in a different um, a different way of training. Just you know, a bit more, a bit of variety. With no no disrespect to um, John Kennedy, but he's probably more old school and. Uh, where, where Dave Parker was a phys ed lecturer anyhow, so he he had you know particularly pre-season and things like that, he had team games and all that sort of stuff, which um, you got, had my wife certainly had more interest in playing those and sort of running four hundreds or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but you know him and he he had he's the first one every Thursday night. We get a dossier of how we'd gone the previous week and who you might pick up, uh, who you, he'd like you to man up on the you know the coming game. So he did a lot of work. Um, him and his wife Lynn at the time they must have they must have done a hell of a lot of homework in getting these dossiers together and uh, you know, giving you all the information you could. And I think that carried on in Carlton, obviously. And uh, he had great success with it. And he was a very good, like John, he was a very good orator, speaker. Yeah. And, um, you know, there, there was no loss for words moments or even a lot of swearing for that matter. I wouldn't swear too much. Mm. Um, I can't remember John swearing, to be honest. He might have said bloody once, but anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so no, he, he, he probably, at the time, he brought in a, a different, just different methods, probably more along, you know, from his phys ed background, and um, it worked. Yeah, which was a more important, more important fact. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about state of origin or state football. I mean, you were a regular wearer of the Big V when, when you know, state football was king. Um, the footy landscape very different in that regard back then. How highly did the players view the honour of being selected to, you know, represent their state? And in your case, Victoria, Kelvin. Oh, I think very highly. I certainly did. Um, it was probably, you know, that was probably the next, the next big thing for me. If, if it was ever going to come around, would be to play um, in the state footy. And I mean, early days, I guess Southie had sort of a mortgage on the full back position, and um, I think until he, I think he stepped away from football for a period of time, Jeff. Um, which which opened the door for me, and then um, after that we played a lot of games together. You know, one of us in the back pocket and one at full back. So, uh, I don't, yeah, that was sort of a game that instead of playing the old traditional, you used to have a, a ruckman changing in the back pocket and in the forward pocket going back. Well, they sort of put. They gave that thought away and sort of like played both of us. So yeah, and yeah, always, always was a thrill for me to wear to pull that jumper on. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and actually, there was a story I wanted to ask you about. So you you were a chairman of selectors, Kelvin, at obviously Hawthorne, St Kilda, uh, maybe even Frankston back in the old VFA. But I, I wanted to ask you. I think you were chairman of selectors for a time for Victoria as well. Was there not a night that uh, a famous night that uh, you might have retold a couple of times uh, involving Ted Witten, where maybe 
after training one night, the squad were understandably hungry. There wasn't a feed put on, so EJ might have taken matters into his own hands with a restaurant booking. <laughs> well, actually, EJ was the chairman of selectors. I was the, I was the selector. Yep. Um, and we had to meet. Well, we met this particular, I think it was Sunday night, and um, at the old AFL house. And he used to be the guy there. Oh, what's his name? I'll think of it in a minute. He was like the like the caretaker, and then he used to organise um, like a dinner for us, or you know, something to eat. This particular night, he was unavailable. He wasn't there, so there's no um, no food. So uh, EJ's jumped on the phone and said, "All right, da, 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 right, we go on." We, I booked a. Thing we went down to the um, um, flower drum. Just a cheap, just a cheap feed. Just a cheap, just a cheap Chinese feed. Yeah, um, and oh, when I come home and tell my wife I had dinner at the flower drum, she couldn't believe it. Um, it was something she wanted to do most of her life. Fortunately, we've been able to do that thanks to our uh, daughter and son-in-law. But um, yeah, that was a funny night. Yeah, we were sitting there drinking drinking some nice wine and having the best Chinese food you could ever have at a flower drum. Yeah. yeah. And was, yeah. and then he just proceeded just to send the bill to the league, didn't he, after that? And it, and it worked. Oh, well, I, that, I, I assume so. You never, it was said that you never went unfed again. There was always a spread of sandwiches and cordial there for you. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd never let that happen again, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh. What a character, Teddy. Uh, you're listening to This Is Your Journey. Great to have your company. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. There's much more to come with the Hawthorne great Kelvin Moore right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey, all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. We've had the company today of AFL Hall of Famer, triple premiership-winning Hawk, Kelvin Moore. Kelvin, uh, we raised this earlier in terms of grand finals and the occasions, but I mean, you had 110,000 uh, there in 76. You had 101,000 there in 78. You, you're playing grand finals and big finals year in, year out. So that occasion, I mean, is that something you get used to as a player, and do those nerves fall away over time, as, as experience would suggest? Oh, well, I think it's a really a big adrenaline rush. Um, because 71, there was 118,000 people. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and, look, you, you, when you run out to that sort of a crowd, it's like you think you're floating on air. Mm. Um and you really do. You can't. You can't hear much for a, for a bit. You know, as far as teammates and that. You know, when the game starts. But uh, once it starts, you like focus on the focusing on the game. You don't really probably take in the you know the a mass of, of people that are they're watching. So, well, yeah, it's sensational. So I, I just remember that um, you know they got a hundred thousand there this year. And um, 
Yeah, I, I turned to my wife and said, gee, 71, we had 118, then it was 110, and then it was 100. Yeah, obviously a seating, and that was a little bit different in the old southern stand, but uh, and a lot more standing room, I take it. Squish them in in those days, Kelvin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it was incredible, incredible um, to play in front of that, that sort of a, a crowd. Who... I was keen to ask, who was the most, do you think, looking back, the most talented player that you played with? Wow, the most talented? Well, it's hard to go past Willie Matthews, but yeah. obviously Peter Knights would have to be, have to be, you know, today's, if today, if his Knights was getting around nowadays, you know, just coming to the scene, he, he, he'd be worth a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he could run again. Jump, take the mark. Yeah, he, and he was he was very talented. Could have tidied up his kicking a little bit. Uh, um, that's probably the other thing I'd like. I forgot to mention when we we're talking about full forwards going right back. Is that the one big thing about the full forwards then, as against today, they hardly ever missed. Yeah. Those McKenna, Hudson, all the guys that I mentioned. Right, you reckon you'd run Tats Lotto if they missed a the goal from 30 or 40 out? Yeah, so this is really interesting, isn't it? Like, because the size, the speed, the professionalism, the athletic profile of the modern day player and the game and the way it's played is almost, it's almost a different sport with a different set of players compared to when you played the development of it. And yet, the one thing that hasn't really improved is the part of the game you just mentioned, arguably the most important part. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to me because generally their their general field kicking area is very good. Although there's a lot of short passing nowadays, but um, in terms of like threading a needle, they can really do that. But mm. get them in front of goal. Now they want to kick around the corner and oh dear, I don't know. I, I just I just don't get it. But the one thing I wish they had have had back in my day was that, you know, when when you kicked a goal, you, you ran off. <laughs> that would have suited me. Yeah. yeah. Be, you'd happily see McKenna running off the field, wouldn't you? Oh, Doug Wade. Or, <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that'd be only too happy to run Have a, off. Have yeah. a breather, Wadey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what he'd say to the runner. <laughs> That's right. So just on that front then, I mean, you mentioned a couple of these guys earlier, but your toughest rival, so the one that now that you come back to and think, crockies, I had my hands full with that guy every time I came up against him? Well, I mentioned early days in particular, the first two or three times against Doug Wade was always a handful. But, you know, oh, I mean, all those guys I mentioned were a handful before. Um and more. I mean, towards the end of my career, the bloke that used to give me a bit of trouble was Bernie Quinlan. Because um, Bernie was hardly ever out of range. Yeah. He'd be up near the centre and still liable to kick it. Um, but, you know, you had your Malcolm Blights when he went, went down as a permanent full forward. Um, obviously, Jezelenko. And then he, he moved to half back as a half-back, and uh, in fact, he was half-back. My first state game, the half-back line was Francis Burke, Bruce Dool, Alex Jezelenko. So um, I didn't have a busy day that day, uh, <laughs> but I was happy to see Jezza move out of the full forward spot. 
And uh, but that just opens the door for someone else, for Mark McClure or someone like that. So uh, yeah. But anyway, you know, to answer your question, we're probably early days, Doug Way. Later, later in my career, probably Bernie Quinlan. And the three flags are amazing, of course they are, and you'd come back to them every day. But of the individual honours, Kelvin, I mean, what one do you can I pin you to one? What one do you hold most dear? I think the first one, seventy-one. Yeah, but what um, what about what about the individual stuff? Well. What do you mean by that? Well, then? whether it be the team of the you know the Hawthorne oh. team of the century, or whether it be uh, the All Australian spot, the best and fairest, what it, what would it be? Oh, gee, they all hold, they all hold a, um, a special spot for me. Yeah. Um, obviously, obviously playing in the '71 Grand Finals, I said before, as only a you know 21 year old, and obviously, you know, the Victorian side, first time I'll get to play that, making the All-Australian, yeah, and I suppose getting in the team of the century is probably a bit unexpected or, you know, coming out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, they all hold a very special hmm. special part in... Uh, I might say, yeah, I really can't nail one, Sam, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I don't want to embarrass you. I mean, obviously you reside in the Hawthorne team of the century. There were plenty of people who said you were very, very unlucky not to be named as fullback of the AFL team of the century, but you were you were pipped by Sauce, Steve Silvani, and um, and the competition was pretty hot for that spot, well, all spots. Oh yeah, well, I think the um, nominees were were Sauce, myself, Jeff Southy, and David Dent. So yeah. I mean, to be honest, any one of those guys would have been worthy worthy of that position. Hey, Kelvin, it's just been a pleasure to catch up with you today. I mean, yours is as good a looking a resume as we get in Australian rules football. There's team success we mentioned, there's individual success we mentioned, and really a legacy that certainly lives on in the hearts and the minds of the big Hawthorne supporter base. So well done on everything you've done, and we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's been, um, been certainly been a pleasure. It's been nice to go back in time and reminisce. So, uh, Thank you for um, having me on your show. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the very next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.